Well, hi again, everyone, and welcome to another Monday night. That means it is time for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we kick back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds for this final Monday night. Believe it or not, this is the final Monday night of the baseball season in the month of August. Boy, it's hard to believe that this thing started at the beginning of March, and now here we are already getting ready to enter into the month of September. Time to talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds, and in order to do that, let's go down south and talk to our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. But before we get into talking about baseball, Mark, uh, you know, Saturday we lost a genuine American hero. Maybe, just maybe, one of the last ones that we're going to have in quite a while in Arizona Senator John McCain. I know this really doesn't have a lot to do with baseball, although McCain was a great baseball fan. But uh, your thoughts, first of all, on the loss of John McCain and your your thoughts about him. McCain, to me, is a throwback to something we, we don't see anymore. Uh, and it's called the guts. Uh, he's a guy who... He, <laughs> He walked the walk and he talked the talk. He, 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 everything he said, he brought gravitas to because of what he went through in his life. And but the things that I heard about him over the years, and I, I, I had seen him a couple times in D.C. when I worked there. Never met him. Always wanted to go up and talk to him. He was, the guy was funny as hell. He had a great sense of humor. Uh, he was a sports fan. Apparently in college, he really liked the women. <laughs> he was he was a man's man. Uh, he he got he led the Naval Academy that year for most AWOLs. Uh, you know, leaving yeah. getting demerits to go out and you know go <laughs> carousing and, and so there's a lot about John McCain I like. <laughs> I wasn't always agreeable with his politics, but I knew that anything he he said he truly believed in, and he wasn't trying just to placate his party. And again, that's a sign of, of courage. And so you're right. I, I I don't see anybody that I have run across or read about, seen on TV, in in Congress today that can hold a candle to the the ethics and, and the morality of a John McCain. Absolutely not. My my favorite memory of John McCain has to do with the night during uh, one of his town hall meetings, and the woman stood up and called President Obama a Muslim. And he immediately took the microphone from her hand and said that even though uh, they're running against each other, he's not a Muslim, he's a family man, he's a U.S. citizen, and just because they they just happen to differ on the way that they want the country run. That showed right there the class that John McCain had. Yeah, it sure did. I, you know, I, I'm not sure about this. I think she may have called him an Arab, <laughs> not a Muslim, but whatever she called him. Uh, McCain quickly corrected it. And can you imagine anybody today in the Republican Party, particularly, doing that? No, I, 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 I can't. And uh, believe me, I vote. I don't want to get into politics here. I have voted Republican in my life, and so I don't have a, a bias one way or the other. But uh, today's there's just not a lot of John McCain's anymore, and there may never be. Maybe we've passed that era in our country's history and in the politics. They're just so fragmented in the tribalization of what's happening in the country. It's sad, but McCain called it as he saw it. And again, I didn't always agree with him, but I always knew that he he, he was talking from the heart. Well, let's get into baseball. First of all, the Cleveland Indians are enjoying a 13-game lead in the American League Central, although they're not playing like it. Uh, they've got a 74-56 and record in the American League Central. That's the biggest divisional lead of anybody. Meanwhile, in the National League Central, the Reds are 21 games out. They're 56-75, and 21 games behind the Chicago Cubs, who are suddenly opening up a lead over St. Louis and Milwaukee in that central division. But, Mark, I guess the two big stories of the week, one for the Reds, one for the Indians. First of all, the Reds, let's talk about that one. Matt Harvey was placed on waivers. 
It appears he was claimed by Milwaukee, but they could not make a deal with the Brewers to send Harvey to Milwaukee, so he stays with the Reds at least through the rest of the season. I heard that story, um, maybe you heard it too, that Milwaukee claimed him basically because they didn't want the Cubs to get him. And apparently they were not serious about really signing him because the offer they made for the Reds was, you know, a, a very bad one. Uh, which leads me to, to believe that if no one else claimed him, I wonder if the Reds are, are giving thought to signing him to, to an extension. Uh, you know, signing him to maybe a two-year deal. Don't forget, Homer Bailey will be done next year, and I'm, I wish he was done this year. Uh, we'll get into that later. But uh, Matt Harvey has been pitching well, and you, you see the difference between he and, and uh, Homer Bailey. There's a big difference in their release points and their velocity. And uh, so it wouldn't – I mean, if you're, if you're the Cincinnati Reds, what do you need more than anything else? Pitching. And what, what's Matt Harvey do? Uh, last I knew he pitched. Yeah, I wonder if there's a correlation there. I mean, who are they <laughs> going to go out there and sign uh, if they if they are committed to going out and you know improving their their pitching staff? Who are you going to sign for less money that would be as effective as a Matt Harvey? Well, and I mean, right right now he's pitching pretty darn well. And, and Mark. Harvey is towing the company line by saying he wants to stay in Cincinnati, would be willing to sign an agreement with them, and that's exactly what he's got to do right now. Now, whether or not he and his agent really feel that way, nobody seems to know, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, in New York, Mark, he never seemed happy. He never seemed like the kind of guy that wanted to stay in New York. In Cincinnati, he seems happy. He doesn't seem to have the problems down here in Cincinnati that he did in New York. There's another thing to that, too, that once you start jumping team to team to team, you, you become that guy, that journeyman guy who uh, suddenly he's with seven or eight teams and his career ends and uh, you know with, with no real recognition of being tied to one team. Uh, I think Matt Harvey has the ability to become an ace. Now look at it this way. They gave, uh, Hunter Green seven and a half million dollars last year. Well, I, I would bet they could sign Har Matt Harvey two years, maybe three years at ten to twelve million dollars a year because his value is down right now. Now is it a risk? Yeah. But is it less a risk? Then an 18-year-old kid you give $7.5 million to? And I, it just seems to me it makes sense for the Reds to seriously consider. And, and unless there's an injury we don't know about, it makes no sense for them not to sign him. Unless he's just, you know, unless Boris is on drugs and asking for, you know, $30 million a year, which you won't. Well, and I agree with you, but you know, the thing about it is Scott Boris's clients as of late have not been as outlandish over the last couple of years if it, as they were uh, earlier in the decade. I just well, you, think that maybe he's kind of taken, gotten back away from that a little bit. Well, you know why is because well, yeah. uh, three or four years ago, there were like five or six of his clients that didn't get signed. And, you know, they went through the entire offseason, ended up taking cheap deals in March because nobody else would sign them. And that's when he, you know, he was claiming collusion and all that stuff. But you're right. Maybe he, maybe he got smacked upside the head and said, look, if you're going to be crazy, we're not going to sign your players. And, and I agree with you. I, I think Matt Harvey would be a good pickup for the Reds. I, I really do. I mean, like I said, he seems to like it down here. He doesn't seem to have the troubles that he had in New York. He, he has hit every start that I can recall. He may have missed, what, maybe one mark? One well, only because of the six-man rotation. Right. <laughs> but he's, the other thing is that everybody I've talked to and everything I've read, he's a good teammate. Guys like him. He gets, he gets a, you know, gets along well with everyone. So that's, that's different too. So, um, hopefully the Reds can do the right thing and get this guy signed. Now on the other side of the coin, you've got the Indians who, I'm telling you in the off season, they are, they are really going to be in a quandary because, um, 
they've got two relief pitchers right now in Cody Allen and Andrew Miller that are free agents. They've also got Eric Gonzalez that I have discussed throughout the entire season that they've got to do something with. They've got Yandy Diaz that they definitely have to fit into the lineup next season no matter what. They they just cannot let this kid, matter of fact, he's out of options, so there's no way he's going to go back to the minors next year. And they've got a second baseman, Mark, and Jason Kipnis that just seems to let everything in the world bother him. Over the last 18 games, now, now granted he went four for five yesterday against the Kansas City Royals. Helped the Indians break a four-game losing streak. Kipnis went four for five with his 100th career home run, which was an inside the parker. But prior to that, in the prior 18 games, Mark, he had batted 173 and committed three errors at second base. That's unacceptable. Getting down to the end of the season, Mark, they have got to be able to put somebody at second base that is going to hit the baseball. And if they're not going to hit the baseball, they've got to defend out in the field. He's not doing either. And the question was posed to Terry Francona yesterday, are you considering moving Jose Ramirez off third and putting him at second and Yande Diaz at third uh, for the rest of the season. Now, Mark, I, I tend to agree with him. I don't know how you feel about this. Francona said, no way. First of all, Ramirez has not taken a ground ball at second base during the season. He's playing gold glove third right now, and he's hitting the baseball. He's one of the best hitters in the American League. On top of that, you know, what What do you do with Kipnis? Do you just sit him down and, and take a chance that he may become a cancer on this team because uh, Greg Allen and Melky Cabrera hitting in the outfield, so you don't want to stick a 173 hitter in the outfield and take a chance on him there. I, I know where Francona is coming from, and I agree with him, but at the end of the season, Mark, they've got to do something about this. Well, yeah, but I, I think that so much is going to happen between now and the end of the year, and, and now in spring training, you just don't know what that team's going to do because they've got a lot of pieces out there. I mean, can you imagine Scooter Jeanette in the Indians uniform? I mean, with the offense. Oh, I, I, I'd love it. I'd love it because, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of options out there, but you know, Cleveland is dealing from from strength, whether it's with Kipnis or whomever they're dealing with. Uh, he is he's not the best second baseman in baseball. But he would start on a number of teams, so your your need, I think, may be a little overstated in terms of what uh, he brings to the team, as opposed to what somebody else might bring to the team at second base. He's he's a let's put it this way: the old term, he's a serviceable second baseman. I think is accurate with him. Well, and let's put him in the position that Rajay Davis was in two years ago, hitting the game tying home run in the seventh game of the World Series. I contend if the Indians go on to win that game, Mark, in the World Series, Rajay Davis is back with the Indians last year instead of playing with Oakland. So if Jason Kipnis somehow gets hot in the month of October and leads this team to the World Series and maybe comes up with the biggest hit of the Indians franchise over the last 50 years, uh, it's kind of tough to get rid of the guy. And you hope that happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what we're talking about here is, you know, putting lipstick on a pig. Uh the Indians are so deep at so many positions that your 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 concern is a second baseman that in many cases will be a starting second baseman somewhere else and, and productive. That's the weak link the Cleveland Indians have. <laughs> I wish that were the, the weakest link the Reds have. But it's not, and some of the, some of the weak links that the Reds have right now, Mark, are the outfield. I mean, both. Te- First of all, I, I neglected to tell everyone that both teams have the night off. Uh, they start three game series uh, coming up tomorrow with their <coughs> respective teams. But nonetheless, the Reds' outfield has really turned out to be a shambles this season. So much so that they're considering moving. One of their top draft picks, Nick Senzel, from third base to the outfield, huh? Yeah, and that would really be dependent on what they do with Scooter, because it's going to be awfully hard to trade Scooter. He's a very popular guy in the clubhouse, uh, 
with the fans. And he's, most importantly, he's very productive and he's young. He's only 27, 28 years old. He's going to be around for a while. So this is a guy that you got to you got to sign, and uh, you know Sinzel can clearly he was a shortstop, and he's got a good arm, he's got speed, he can play left field. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, so I, I they, someone was even suggesting he plays center field. I don't think he's got that kind of speed, you know, to cover center field, but he could certainly play left field, and I think that's what you're going to see. And uh, the Reds simply don't have in the minor leagues a you know, a power-laden uh, player who can come up and hit 25, 30 home runs and actually replace Adam Duvall, uh, who just, you know, fell off. You know, we talk, we've talked about this for years. The league adjusted to Adam Duvall, and he didn't adjust back, at least when he was with the Reds. And I, I really haven't checked what he's done with the, with the Braves. So he far. still hasn't adjusted. So, you know, it's unfortunate that you, you, you would think that a coach or, or he would look at his film and say, gee, I swing and miss at the slider on the outside corner a lot of times. Maybe I, I ought to start going to right field. Uh, I, I don't get it, but sometimes guys just can't physically adjust to the changes that the pitchers bring to them, and that, that's why they are out of the league in two or three years. What about uh, Dilly Dilly Herrera? <laughs> Where do you expect him to be at next year? Is he going to be the shortstop, or will he be the center fielder? Herrera? Yeah. No, I don't think he'll be either. I mean, I, I think he'll be a backup infielder uh, who can play a little bit of outfield. I, I thought and, you liked that kid. Oh, I do. I think he's got some stud power. I mean, this guy, he's a natural third baseman. Uh, and But you know, right now, Peraza's playing an excellent shortstop. You've got, I mean, that, that, is a, that is a solid infield the Reds have right now. Suarez at third. Uh, Peraza at second. Scooter's in it. At, at, I mean, I'm sorry. Scooter at second. Peraza at short and Votto at first. I mean, that, that's a solid, solid infield. Maybe the best offensive infield in baseball from top to bottom. But that outfield, as you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of holes in it. I, I don't think they have anybody on the roster right now that it, there's going to be a starting outfielder next year. You're going to, you know, except Winker, who's on the DL. I think Winker will be there and I think Sinzel would be there. But I think the Reds have their eye on a bat in center field or right field. It's somebody they can go out and, and depend on for 25, 30, 35 home runs. Now, that would be a team that would be scary offensively if they're able to do that. Bryce Harper? No, they can't afford <laughs> Harper. And I, I, wouldn't, I, I think he's way, way overvalued. He, to me, he's the most overvalued player in baseball. I've got to ask you about this. Cody Reed. Has he finally figured it out? <sighs> I would love to say yes, but uh, his stuff, I saw him pitch this weekend a couple times, and it's it's okay. The fact he's a left-hander, uh, and, and right now, I'll tell you, he's a lot more effective than Amir Garrett, who's fallen off the dark edge of the moon. Yeah. Uh, he's really had a horrible second half. And um, you wonder if either they have to put him in the starting rotation and hope that's his his saving grace. But they've got some big decisions to make because Robert Stevenson, again, just was horrid yesterday, just awful. He balked. You know, he was, the Reds are behind eight to nothing, and he's trying to pick a guy off first base. Oh, Cubs aren't going to try and score. So he balked to first base, brought in another run. He gave up a two-run home run. Uh, to the next hitter, and just, it's unfortunate the Reds made a colossal drafting error with him. There's no other way you can say it. I don't see him in the bullpen. I don't see him as a starter, so what do you do? Could could he have pitched for Hawaii this weekend? <laughs> in the Little League World Series? Yeah. Just, just asking. Uh, you know, because that, you know, you know, but Cody Reed, I'll tell you what, the last three times that I've seen him pitch, Mark, he's been lights out. But David, he's done this before. Cody Reed last year had nine consecutive appearances, or a year before, uh, not nine consecutive appearances and didn't give up a run, a hit, or a base runner. And, you know, he, he was, God, he looked like the trade made sense. And then he gets lit up. And that's what these young pitchers, they can't, 
they can't pitch out of trouble. That's the thing. And the the, the, the teams that they they face, if, if they face the Cubs or they face the Yankees or Oakland or somebody like that, they're going to get hit hard. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, he, Reed did okay against the Cubs this week. But I was noticing he was facing the bottom of the order most of the time, except when we got Rizzo on a double play. Uh, but that's the only, and I'm really glad they put him in that spot. His base was loaded and one out. And I think Riggerman put him in there. Okay, see what you got. And he came through. So hopefully, you know, your, your enthusiasm is well founded, but I'm not a believer yet. <laughs> Mark, uh, I'm going to give you kudos because when the Reds, or when the Indians, excuse me, went into Boston last week, uh, I was hoping for a split. You thought there would be a split. The Indians won the first two games, Mark, and, and I know I was hoping for a split. But you know when you win the first two games, you start thinking, you start thinking three out of four, maybe four out of four. And the way they played those last two games, Mark, I think they were thinking the same thing. Okay, we've come in here, we've done what we wanted to do, we split with them. Uh, that's the end of the, that's the end of the effort that we're going to put forward. And they just got blown out in the last two ball games. I was disappointed with the way that series ended. Well, I think you were particularly disappointed because of the way you gloated when you called me after the I second game. I didn't gloat. Oh, you gloated. It I was, was so proud. You were gloating all over the place. It was disgusting, the gloat that was coming through the phone. Um, but you were right, David, and I would have never, ever brought this up, but I did predict a split between the two teams. And, and it it makes sense because they're, those are two of the best teams in baseball. And that's why this playoff is going to be so exciting this year because you've got a lot of teams that really have legitimate chances to win it. And, you know, you have the Cubs in the, in the National League. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even Milwaukee or St. Louis, if they get in the playoffs, they, they can be competitive. They can play. They have good pitching. Uh, the, the West, uh, in the, in the American League to me is the most fascinating race. With the, with the A's, you know, right there with Houston, uh, that's going to be fun. Then you court in the East, you got the Yankees and the Red Sox in the American League. A lot of teams that could, can really go out there and get it. And uh, again, of, of all the, the teams in Major League Baseball, the biggest abomination has been Washington. Yeah, I mean Washington. They they waved the flag this week. Uh, and gave up two two of their starters. And th- 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 what do you do with that team? Yeah, why why did Chicago want Dan Murphy? Well, because they didn't have a second baseman. Well, what about Baez? Well, he's hurt, and and he, yeah, they, but... they weren't sure he could come back. And he, he Baez wasn't hitting that well, and this guy can hit. <laughs> well, they, I, uh... they got him. I, I just I just couldn't believe. You know, the only reason I thought they went out and got him was maybe to play third base because they're afraid Bryant wasn't coming back. That injury to Baez isn't that bad. I know, but when you have – it's it's $4 million, and you're the Chicago Cubs, and you probably get a billion dollars in cash in the bank. Why not get him for next year if nothing else? I mean, they, now that they have some really – that they can trade some other people to, to fill in the holes, that's the difference between the Cubs and, and a team like the Reds. Um they can go sign a guy for for a month for four million bucks, and if they get to the playoffs, that guy could carry you over the over the line. Mark, I'm going to throw a couple of stats out at you about the Indians, and then I'm going to ask you a question that I heard up on Cleveland radio today that I thought was it wasn't interesting, but uh, it was thought provoking. Let's just put it that way. The Indians right now, since the All Star break, their pitching staff as a whole, bullpen and starters have the best ERA in baseball, bar none. Their three, re- their three left-handed relievers, Andrew Miller, you're not going to believe this, but Perez, your, your buddy, the guy that you think stinks, and Brad Hand, the guy that they picked up from San Diego, those three, since the All-Star break, have an ERA of 1.04. They have been the most lights-out left-handed crew in Major League Baseball. Now, the question was raised, knowing all that, who has got, out of the five teams that are 
competing for the playoffs right now, and I'm not including Seattle. I'm talking about Oakland, Houston, Cleveland, the Yankees, and Boston. Who has the most complete pitching staff right now? Mm. Yeah, it's a toughie. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about Oakland staff, uh, to, you know, to make a decision. If they, they're part they're of a staff full of number three starters. Yeah, that's what I meant. I mean, it, yeah. there's nobody there that you look to as a star. I mean, to me, Houston has the best staff. Um, it may not be statistically right now, but... I'm not even talking, I mean, just off the top of your head, because... Um, I, I just thought it was thought provoking because, and, and I'll tell you why, because if you look, if you look at Houston and match them up against Cleveland, I think the starters are pretty much even, but the bullpen, all right, I'm going to go to the stats, forget it. Um, the bullpen shows that the Indians have the better bullpen. Now, New York doesn't have the starting staff that the Indians have or Houston has, but they've got the better bullpen. Boston, uh, they're a team of about three pitchers, and that's about it. The rest of them are pretty much mediocre. So when you start talking about complete staffs, you got to go with Houston and Cleveland, and then you go to who's got the best bullpen. Well, the Yankees have the best bullpen and the deepest bullpen. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but they've got one basic, one starter that they can depend upon, and that's Severino. The Yankees? Yeah. What about Chapman? No, I'm talking starter. Oh, starters. I thought you were talking about... No, I'm, the Yankees have the best bullpen. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm giving the Yankees the best bullpen, but as far as starters are concerned, that's all they've got is Severino. Well, they have to have a little more. They're, 30, what, 33 games over 500. So they're, but they've they're, also they're got the best offensive team in baseball. Yeah, granted, but again, when you get into the playoffs with a team like that, uh, it, you can get one hot guy, and he can, he can, he can win two or three games for you in the playoffs. So that's why this year's playoffs, and, and with the pitching staffs you just mentioned, uh, it's going to be exciting. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the, the Dodgers for a while, because, you know, they're, <laughs> they're just underperforming, but it's likely they're going to make the playoffs. So there's there's a lot of teams out there that can get hot. I, I'm just not convinced that the Cubs have the starting pitching to compete against the teams you mentioned in the American League. Well, they got uh, Cole Hamels. Remember him? I know, but I, I, again, <laughs> I don't see him the same level with, with Kluber. I think Kluber's a better pitcher. Uh, if I, if I if you're going Kluber against uh, Cole Hamels, I'm going to take Kluber all day. And there's other. I think there are better pitchers in baseball. Would you rate him in the top ten? No, no. Cole Hamill? No, I, mean, I, I wouldn't either. No, I was being facetious. You know, they they went out and got the left the another lefty like they needed another lefty. Um, but you know, and it's all because the only reason they did that, Mark, was because they lost you, Darvish. Now, who in the world told them back in March when they signed this ding dong? He hasn't pitched a full season in Major League Baseball in what, the last five years? Plus he got lit up last year in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I mean lit up. Why? He was, he was... <laughs> yeah, anyway. Here here's a here's a good trivia question for you, Mark, that I'll bet ninety nine point nine percent of our listeners can't get. And it's very simple. This is the most simplest trivia question. You talked about how St. Louis is right there, and mm-hmm. they're probably going to make the playoffs. Who's their manager? <laughs> That's right. I forgot his name, too. Yeah. Uh, he, he was their bench coach this year. Yeah. I, I mean, Mike Matheny gets fired at their 47-46 and 46 on the season, and who led, who led to the firing of Mike Matheny? The Cincinnati Reds. The night that they got beat, they dropped to 47-46, and 46, and Mike Schilt, Took over. That's right, yeah. And they have gone from Mark fourth place in that division to second place, four games behind the Cubs. Everybody at the time was talking about Joe Girardi, including me. That would be the perfect fit for the next Cardinals manager, thinking that the Cardinals were going to go right down the chute. Uh-uh, they didn't. Whatever Schilt has done has been outstanding. On the other hand, you brought it up earlier about Washington. 
what has Dave Hernandez done to this ball club that they just are not able to put it together? Yeah, you look at that pitching staff and you like, oh my gosh, and how could they not be in first place? But their offense, uh, and Bryce Harper is a big part of the, the failure of that team this year. Uh, he's just not producing in the clutch and, uh, again, overrated. And that team, I mean, you and I have picked them to win the World Series for how many years? Yeah. <laughs> because because you, you'd be a fool not to when you look at the roster and, and the people they have on that team, and yet they can't put it together. But as we look into next year for the Reds, Homer Bailey, uh, his career is virtually over. And he's 1-12 and now. The Reds have lost 19 games that he started. I mean, that's 19 out of 20 games. That's, that's almost unbelievable. I mean, it, it's what are the odds of that ever happening? <laughs> but he's got a 6.17 ERA. He's got, he's got a batting average against a 310, 162 ERA. David, it's going into September. Why would you pitch him any games the rest of the year? I, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't. I, I'm, I agree with you. I probably would not. I would just let him go home. I'd, I'd send him home, let him rest, you know, get back in the weight room or whatever he has to do. They have one year left on a, I think they owe him 22 million next year, 23 million. But there's a five million dollar buyout. So they're into this guy for another 25, 30 million next year. Which is just, when you, when you think of bad signings in the history, certainly of the history of the Reds, there's no question. It's, it's the worst signing in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. And I can't think of one worse, or one that's even close. But this may be one of the worst signings in baseball history. From what he did, from the time that he signed with the Reds and that extension, it's what, seven years for twenty average of $22 million a year? Yeah. Good Lord. It, it, it's just it's unbelievable that uh, what he has done to this pitching staff. And when you're, when you're a, you have a team like the Reds and you send out a guy like Bailey – Every fifth day, and you know he's going to get hammered. It, it's it's depressing. You don't want to you don't want to play. And th- th- this guy, he has a career win loss record of sixty seven and seventy five. <laughs> he's got a whip of one thirty seven. He's he has a, a lifetime ERA of four fifty six, and they gave him a seven year contract. At $22 million a year. I, no, I think it was more than that. I think it was a little more than that. I don't know who his agent is, but boy, did he sell the Reds a bill of goods. It's un, it's really unconscionable. And then you you look at what they got for Chapman. Oh. Tell me who they got for Chapman. I can't. I, I have no idea. Okay. Who did they get for Mike Leake? No idea. Mm. Who did they get for Johnny Cueto? Uh, Cody Reed was one of them. Finnegan. Yeah. And I can Finnegan never, rem- I can never remember Finnegan, the third one. Finnegan's, uh, John, uh, I, forget, I forget his name now. Uh, he's actually pitching with the Dodgers, I think. Uh, Finnegan's got a six and a half ERA in AAA. <laughs> so, I mean, you think of who they gave up and got nothing back. That is just bad front office. And, I'm a big fan of Bob Castellini because I think he does so much more than just own a baseball team. He, he, he gives to the community, all that stuff. But, Bob, it ain't worked. It, it's been four years now in last place, five consecutive years, that they've had a losing record. Over the last five years, the Cincinnati Reds have lost more baseball games than any other team. That's hard to do. Mark, they're too conservative. I, and, and I know you think that's going to be crazy coming from, you know, b- the contracts that they gave Bailey and Votto. But the fact of the matter is, in some instances, they are way too conservative. And I'm going to point to this, this as the example. Jim Riggleman should be rehired and it should be done by now. Well, I was of that feeling uh, up until this, what I saw over the weekend with, with Chicago. 
The Reds are so far behind the Cubs in terms of talent, on-field talent, that it, it was like a triple-A team or a double-A team playing a major league team. They just have no chance. And I don't know that a 60, what, 65-year-old, 64-year-old manager can relate to that team filled with young people that can get them to perform because uh, there is something. What is frightening, Dave, is their, their minor league system. Hunter Green is probably not going to play next year because of arm surgery. Right. Uh, Taylor Trammell, uh, he's fallen off the, the He's hitting 165, I think, the second half of the year. Uh, Senzel's hurt. He's had surgery on his finger. Who knows if he's going to be back next year. Hopefully he is. But you cannot name for me one pitcher in in AAA, in AA, in single A that we can expect to be on this team and be the number one or number two starter or even number three starter. Can you name one? Sal Romano? <laughs> Well, he, he should be in double-A AA or triple-A. You and I saw him pitch. And he, he, if he's your number three starter in, on this rotation, that just tells you how how weak this team is. They have to spend. They've got to go out and get a number one or number two starter next year, and they need an outfielder. And I, I don't mean some plug-and-play guy that's going to hit 260. They need, they need a, an all-star outfielder, and I don't know who they're going to get. I don't know what the free agent market's going to be like. But if this team doesn't spend, when you say conservative, they got to spend some money this year. Or they, could, they could lose an entire generation of fans that are already forgetting about this team. So you're, so you're saying you don't think Jim Riggleman will want to stick around, or you don't think but he's I, got the temperament to handle the young players? I'm, I'm not sure you can build this team back up to where it needs to be with a Jim Riggleman. I think he'd be an excellent bench coach. But I think you need to bring in maybe somebody we don't even think of yet. Maybe some 35, 40 year old guy. I like the Phillies did with, uh, what's Oh, what's not that? him. Well, but, oh. but that kind of guy. And I'll tell you, the, the players in the Phillies love that guy. And he's a, you know, he talks to them. He's their buddy. And he's, he's developing that team. And the Phillies, you know what? The Phillies can make the playoffs. Oh, the Phillies will make the playoffs. I think yeah, they're going to they're gonna win that division. I think I think you're right. So you know he was the guy that everybody made fun of. And I, why can't we think of his name? Uh, but he's a former player, and he's he's a young guy, and he's he's loud, he's vociferous, but he's loyal to his players, maybe to a fault. They love him, and they're and they're really performing well. So I I, I don't see a Riggleman leading the Reds. Not that he doesn't deserve it. I think he's a good. I think he's a good manager. But it's can he at 64, 65 years old relate to a Nick Senzel or, or be that guy who can lead the team over the next four or five years out of the darkness? I, I'm not sure he can. Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler. Is, is Gabe it, Kapler, he was an exciting player, too. A little crazy. But and he's a crazy manager, too. Well, he was uh, yeah, crazy. I agree with you. I agree. He, he has gotten that team to play. I get it. But he also further proves your point from a couple of weeks ago that a manager really doesn't make that much difference. It, it, no, not in the X's and O's on the field. Baseball's too easy. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to, you know, to figure out how to win a baseball game. It's the stuff in the locker room. It's the stuff with the, the personalities of the players. you got to be a psychologist almost mm-hmm. to, run, to run 25 guys. So that's where you need a younger manager, I think, who can relate. And I don't think even Girardi is the right guy. And I don't know who is, but maybe it's a guy we don't know about in AA or AAA who is just that Gabe Kapler type guy. I think that's what the Reds need. There's always Butch Hobson. I think there's a lot of guys out there. (laughs) You don't know why I mentioned Butch Hobson, do you? No. He's the one that... Uh, for the independent league last week that went out and argued with the umpire and then went to home plate and took the bat and took a phantom swing and then ran around the bases. He's their manager. Yeah, well. Yeah. Then he took, one, in one game he took third base and gave it to a fan. <laughs> yeah. Gave it, you know, baseball needs more of that, Mark. They need no, they need, 
need more personality in the game. This weekend, baseball thought it was a heck of a lot of fun to put the nicknames on the back of the uniforms. And that's their idea of having personality in the game? Well, you know, you lose a lot of the the, the arguments and the showing of the anger with, with replay because you can't yeah. argue anymore. So you'd have managers come out and throw baseballs and hats and gloves <laughs> and everything else. They get mad. Remember Tommy Lasorda and those guys? They go and, and Earl Weaver. He, he would go ballistic. Oh, Lou Pinella, yeah. Earl Weaver, and Billy Martin yeah. put on the best shows. Yeah, I still so remember Earl stuff. Weaver coming out in Cleveland one night with the rule book and ripping it up and throwing it in the air <laughs> at home plate. That was the best. You don't remember that one either, do you? Oh yeah, I do remember. I sure oh, remember that. Okay, of course. All right. I've been around, Dave. Yeah, I well, yeah, yeah. You've been around a little longer than I have. That's it, Dave. Rip it in. <laughs> you know, but did did you like some of the nicknames on the back of the uniforms this weekend, or did you even not even n- notice it? Oh, I noticed some of it, and I, I saw nothing wrong with that this week. The the guys got to kind of voice their own. Uh, personalities, and I think that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, I, mean, I don't have a problem with it. Did you Did you see what Shane Bieber's nickname was? Not uh, not not, not uh, Justin. Yeah, not Justin Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> how about How about Kluber's? Did you see his? No. Kluber. <laughs> that was it. Kluber. That That was. He was the only one that didn't didn't uh, uh, go with it. But okay. Well, you're talking about it. Yeah. Let, let's go back to Washington, though. You know, I always thought Dave Martinez would be a good manager. He spent so many years as the bench coach with Joe Madden. And, I mean, not only in Tampa Bay, but he moved over to Chicago with him, that I thought this Washington gig was going to be the thing that put him over the top. And, boy, I'm not sure if it's him, if it's the players. Something there just isn't mixing. That's I'm sorry, Dave, you broke up for a while. I said something there in Washington just isn't mixing. That's right. and But it's not just this year. It, it goes back four or five years, and that team has been loaded top to bottom with pitching and hitting. And not that you and I are the experts of the world, but we, we've picked them because you go down their roster. Over the last four or five years, that team has been as strong as any team in baseball, and yet – I, I don't get it, and I don't know that Martinez did a terrible job necessarily, but some of the players just haven't performed, and the injuries uh, to, to that pitching staff seems to be chronic, and, you know, it's so funny, you and I talked about this, when they held back uh, in the playoffs, what what year was that? Yeah, and, it was four years ago, four years ago now. Yeah, uh, we said that that may be their chance to win a World Series, and they didn't do it. Yeah. And they it, it went down to the last game. Remember they had a 6 nothing lead against the Cardinals? Yep. And they they blew it, and that's that's it. That changes their whole... Held, held Strasburg. They, they, put him yeah. on a, they put him on a total innings pitched count, and they didn't throw him again after that. And if he if he had a six run lead against the Cardinals, they'd have been all over. Yeah, and they, they probably would have won the World Series. And just you know, what has he done since then, Mark? Yeah, he's got all the talent in the world, but he he's another one just hasn't seemed to be able to put it together. He's not the star that they thought he was going to be. You remember the picture for the Cubs years ago, Pryor? Yeah, Aaron Pryor, or not Aaron, Aaron Pryor? Pryor. He, it wasn't Aaron. That was the yeah, boxer. he was a boxer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he was another guy that came out of college, and he was just going to be the next super, super, superstar. And he never developed because of arm trouble. And Strasburg, I'm afraid, is going down the same path. He, I don't know if he's been baby too much or he's overworked. I, I don't know w- w- what the issue is. But it goes back to that syndrome where these young pitchers are throwing – you know, 100 miles an hour when they're 16, 17 years old. And by the time they're 24, their arms run. And we've talked about this for years, and it, it it seems to go unnoticed by, you know, minor league teams because 
a kid goes to a tryout camp or he's scouted, if he's not throwing 98, 97 in high school, they're, they're not talking to him. Yeah. And they just don't know how to pitch. And the Reds are just loaded with those guys. You mentioned Sal Romano. Sal Romano, <laughs> he doesn't pitch. He throws. Yeah. He, he has no control. He has no idea where the ball's going. And so many of these Reds pitchers have the same kind of mentality. You know, they, they, throw a, they throw a hard slider and a hard fastball. And Castillo is the only one who's developed a good change. And I, I hope, you know, he's going to develop into a, to a, a guy who can win 16, 17 games for you. But I, I don't know who else on that team is going to be a, a pitcher that the Reds can depend on for next year. What do these three players have in common, Mark? Ken Griffey Jr., Don Mattingly, and Dale Long. They hit home runs in eight consecutive games. Yes, and Kendrys Morales is going to tie that record tonight, trying to do it. And they're in Baltimore playing the Orioles. So far, Mark, he's 0 for 3. you got to well, believe he's going up there looking to go downtown. Well, well of course he is. <laughs> hey, I, I, I want to give you some baseball trivia. Uh, you mentioned Dale Long. When I was uh, living in Philadelphia, this is back in the 70s, I played in something called the Pendell League up there, which is a pretty good baseball league. A lot of college players played up there, former pros. And my teammate was a guy named Dale, Dale Long. And he, I think he played first and I played third. Well, I went through the whole season, a real nice guy, and, and I didn't think anything. I mean, I knew about Dale Long and, and all that stuff. Well, a- after one of the games, he brought me back to his house. He had a swimming pool and went back and, you know, jumped in the pool and we had pizza and stuff. Well, I go in the house and their banister going up, you know, upstairs was, rather than rungs, they had baseball bats holding up the, you know, <laughs> and I thought it was for him. And, and he, he said, I said, oh, that's really cool. And uh, I looked at the name. I said, oh, Dale Long, you have your name on the back. He said, no, that's my dad. <laughs> and so they had eight bats that went up the oh. uh, up the staircase that held up the railing. And they were like 34-inch bats or whatever they were. And he had all his bats there. And I realized I was in the house of Dale Long. And he was never a superstar, by the way. He had that one that one week of glory when he hit eight home runs, but a uh, real nice guy, and uh, I was surprised that I, <laughs> I met him. But uh, yeah, I remember his house. Well, I think they lived in Cheltenham or just Chestnut Hill or something like that. Uh, have you ever listened to Tom Nichols do a Dayton Dragons game? Mm, yeah, I have. And how is he? Uh, I think he's fine for an A announcer. Well, he's going to be a major league announcer. Really? Uh, yeah, they're pulling him up for one game. Uh, I don't know why, but it was announced today that Tom Nichols is going to get a uh, one-game call-up to do the Cincinnati Reds, and I'm not quite sure when it's even going to be. I, uh, let's see here. Uh, it's going to be Tuesday. It's going to be tomorrow. Well, good for him. Yeah, he's that, doing. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. Happy for him. The Reds are helping him celebrate his recent milestone of 4,000 game broadcasts and 31 years as a minor league baseball broadcaster. What? What? A, that's really a class thing to do. I'm glad they're doing that. Yep. Last 11 years with the Dayton Dragons. I've never had the opportunity to hear him, but I'd like to. I, well, yeah, I'll go tomorrow. I, mean, I, I think he's a fine announcer, and you know he. So there's a lot of guys like that around the country that, you know, they, they've been in one with one team for decades sometimes, and they, they never get a, a chance to, to move up. So when I hear a story like that, that that's got to be a thrill of a lifetime for him. Absolutely, absolutely. So trying to keep an eye on Kendrys Morales tonight, but I don't think he's 0 for 3. He's got one more at bat, it looks like, he's going to have here tonight, Mark. But I'm not sure he's going to be able to pull anything off here this evening, which – which will be kind of a bummer because it, it would be kind of neat for him to pull something off like that. Yeah, that, that's always cool to see. And uh, I remember uh, when Griffey did it, uh, that was, what year was that? They said, they said it was 92 or 93? Yeah, that's what I figured, 92, 93. Okay. And, um, so he, this guy, let me see. Yeah, I don't think anybody I recall has been, 
even at seven for a while. I, I can't remember the last guy at seven. Yeah. Seven around. It's been a, that's that's quite a feat. It, I mean, oh yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a it's it's been a long long time since since somebody actually did this. You know, I've got a question for you. Here's another question that I heard today. This was on Cincinnati radio, and I and, and I'm going to reverse it. the The question was, what major league baseball team has the most fans outside of their home city? I would say Cincinnati or St. Louis. Would you really? Yeah. I I, I figured it'd be the Yankees. Who is it? It's it. Well, I don't know. That that was they were just taking a poll. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. but I'm going to reverse this. What team in the major leagues do you think has the least amount of fans outside their home city? Well, we'd be guessing here, but oh, I, I, I know. would say. Yeah. I would say it's somebody like Arizona or um I, I would say you know what? Colorado. Maybe Colorado. Yeah. Maybe the same for the same reasons. It's it's an isolated area and there's not a lot of population around it. That's why I pick Cincinnati or I, I think Cincinnati any team that has so many states that's that in the periphery of, of, of that city. You have Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia. Uh, they, it's likely they have a lot of fans, but the, the other part of it is if you have a, a super station team like Atlanta or Chicago, WGN, they're going to be broadcasting all over the country and pick up a lot of fans that way. Yeah, yeah. Now, Mark, when you go to a restaurant, I'm sure you're like me. When you use no, Dave, Dave, <laughs> no, no, I am not like you, Dave. Yeah, I know you never pick up a check. So. <laughs> no, anyway, so when you go to a restaurant and you use your card and they bring it back to you, I'm sure you look at the total first and then sign it, correct? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. Well, Justin Verlander did not. Uh, on a recent trip out to California where the Astros were playing the Angels, Verlander went to a restaurant after a game and just signed the receipt and then got back to his hotel room and realized that the waiter, cashier, had filled it in and added a $1 million tip because he's a, and in parentheses it said, Dodger killer. (laughs) Now, I'm not, I don't know about you, but when they run my card through the processing machine, and it goes in for one million forty-two dollars and some odd cents. I don't think my bank is going to approve that transaction. Yeah, but Verlander's might. Yeah, it did. It did. It took it. So he had to go through the scrutiny of of uh, going and disputing it, and then the restaurant went ahead and, and comped his meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you know, I looked at that receipt, Mark, and I got to tell you, there was a salad on there. He had a salad for, I think it was somewhere around $27. Give me a break. It's a good salad. No kidding. I mean, I, I, you know, good grief. You could go you out. You know, the guy, if, you know, guy has a wife like he has, and he can afford a million-dollar tip, and he's a big league pitcher. Uh, life could be worse. Yeah, definitely. But then again, when you got a wife like he does, you probably have to pay that million dollars on everything else. Well, it'd be worth it. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> you you said it. I didn't. You know, uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting that both of the Reds, the both the Reds and the Indians have Monday night off. But I want to ask you this: as you head into September, are there any minor league players? You know, because at September, the the rosters expand. Okay, they go to forty. Are there any minor league players that the Reds are going to bring up that you're looking forward to seeing? Well, there's some guys in in Double A that I would like them to bring up. I doubt they will. There again, because of the injuries, uh, nobody has, has performed. This has been a terrible year for the minor league, you know, for the Reds minor league teams. Uh, no one's had outstanding year. There's been injuries up and down all, all the teams. And in terms of their uh, reason to bring somebody up, they're already on a six-man starting rotation. So what are you going to do? Bring up a seventh starter? 
I don't understand why. I mean, if they find an outfielder or two, um, you know, their pitching staff, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about the pitching staff, uh, but it was definitely an improvement over last year. And if they continue to to improve, you know, I, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, Mark. I mean, I'm, Where? I'm looking at a team right now that if, if they find an outfielder or two, I I think their starting staff minus Homer Bailey obviously, but they got to sign Matt Harvey. They've got to start him. But I think they've got the base right now that can lead this team within three or four years into being a contender for a divisional title. Dave, it's been five years. That, that means I agree with years. you. I'm not talking. I can't look at the past, Mark. I can only look forward. But, but anybody is, you know, eventually you're going to get better. But you, you just said they didn't need to go pick up a couple outfielders. Well, that's not going to be enough. Not, not with the pitching staff they have. And there's there's just nothing in, in the Reds minor league system right now that indicates there's anybody on the forty man roster that they could bring up and help this team. Nobody. There's not one player that outside of Sinzel that you could point to next year and say that guy has a chance to make the team. Well, and, that, and, it, and what and what if Senzel turns out to be the player they think he's going to be in left field? There's the one outfielder that I'm talking about. Now you find another. That's true, but this is a guy who's never played in the major league. No, you're and you right. Bet, and you are betting that he's going to come in. He I, be a great I said player. what? I said what if? Well, of course. If what if doesn't make any sense when you're looking at a team. <laughs> That has as many holes in it as this one. Yeah, but you've got to go upon what the scouts are telling the major league advisors, and that is Senzel is going to be a star. They've always said that. Yes, but I don't believe he's going to be a star next year. I think he's probably going to come in at 265, 270, maybe 12, 15 home runs. That's not going to change. Mark, did I say next year? I no, said, you didn't. I did. I said, I don't see anything on this roster right now that indicates that 2019 is going to be any better than 2018. You're saying if they go out, if they sign a couple pitchers, and if they sign a couple of outfielders, I, I and think if Sinzel comes up and, and performs. I I would take this team with Sinzel right now the way it is. Keep, keep Harvey, keep Sinzel. I would take this team the way it is, and I would battle – battle with this team next year. I, I think this team has got some promise. I, you know, you, you got to sign Jeanette. You've got to keep Peraza at shortstop. I agree with you. Suarez, you know, great player. I'm not thrilled about Hamilton, but, you know, Shebler and Winker. I mean, Winker will be back next year. That takes care of some of your outfield problem right there. Everything, yeah, you're, in your speculation theory here, yeah, but there's, unlike the Indians, you can look at next year. You know who's going to be your third baseman and your shortstop and your second baseman and your first. You have a team. In everything you've said is all speculation. Do they sign Scooter Jeanette? Who knows? Are well, they going to sign two pitchers? Who knows? Yeah, but if I'm looking at the Indians, i got to wonder, are they going to sign the two of their best three relievers? Cody Allen and Andrew Miller. I doubt if it. They don't, if they don't, they have plenty of of well, stuff to make that that team's going to be competitive for the next three or four years. Mark, what do the Reds have coming up the rest of this week? Uh, I think they'll lose four. Um, <laughs> now, no, they got they got Milwaukee tomorrow night, I believe. Hold on, a second. Yeah. You got. Uh, uh, let me see here. Yeah, they got Milwaukee the next three nights, and they got St. Louis. They go to St. Louis over the weekend, uh, so um, they're, they're back in the Central Division for a while. But yeah. these are. Meaningless games for the Reds, but they're not meaningless for the teams they're playing. 
Nope, that's true, and especially these two teams that are coming up right away, Milwaukee and St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, they're both battling the Cubs. The Indians, they've got a three-game set at home against Minnesota on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, and then they host Tampa Bay coming to town. Unbelievable. This is the first time we're going to see Tampa Bay this year, and it's on August 31st. We'll talk about it next Monday night, Mark. Have a good one, Dave. You too. That's going to do it for tonight's program. Don't forget, coming up this weekend on UltimateSportsTalk.com, we've got Roger Bacon High School football for you on Friday night as they travel to Western Hills. And we'll be on the air with the uh, pregame show with that one at 6.30 and the kickoff at 7. Coming up on Saturday night, it's the opening game of the season for the Mount St. Joseph Lions as the Lions will be hosting Capital from Columbus We'll be on the air with the pregame show on that one at 5.30 on Saturday night. And you can hear the kickoff from Schuler Field here in Cincinnati at 6 o'clock. All that coming up this weekend on UltimateSportsTalk.com. And, of course, we'll be back again next Monday night with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show where we talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. My thanks to Mark Donahue tonight. For Mark, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody. 